Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning. Thank you for joining us uh, for this presentation of IDOC's PLC four-year results for the year end of 31st of October 2022. On our agenda today, I'm just going to take you through a few highlights of our FY22 year. I'll then hand over to Anoop, who's going to take you through our financial review. And then I'll come on to cover off our strategy and operations review, talk a little bit about our buy and build strategy, cover off our ESG initiatives and give you a view to Outlook. And then we'll take any questions that you may have. So without further ado, we'll move into our operational highlights for last year. Already now, it seems a little bit distant as we've entered the new financial year. Financial year 22 for IDOX was a really strong year where we delivered good results against a very challenging economic and geopolitical situation and backdrop. And we're really pleased with the level of performance that we're able to deliver. So we had a record full-year order intake, up 19% to 74 million on the previous year where we did 62 million. And the reason we're pleased about that, obviously, is it gives us good visibility as we go into financial year 23 uh, and our ability to deliver against numbers that we're projecting for this year. We had a significant number of contract wins and extensions, which increased our average tenure across both our public sector and EIM businesses. And again, really pleased with that. Great renewals from clients some great new business wins, which we'll talk to a little bit later in the presentation. And again, a really solid foundation for us to move forward from. We're also really pleased to enhance our geospatial capabilities with the addition of the Landhawk acquisition at the back end of the year. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about how we see geospatial moving forward. And good growth of revenues and profits in our public sector software business, buoyed by our FY21 acquisitions, and a really solid performance in EIM, despite what we could see were some very difficult and challenging market conditions. We continued to upscale our operations in Pune in India, building out there our software development capabilities, but also building a center of excellence to increase our efficiency capabilities and knowledge sharing. And within the business, continued investments in our people and our products, and a clear focus on innovation and consolidating our product portfolio and moving more of our clients to the cloud across the whole of our client base. So a really strong year uh, for the business, as I say, in very challenging uh, circumstances. We're pleased um, to deliver very reliably against that backdrop. And to just give you a bit more detail on that, I'm now going to hand over to Anoop, who's going to talk you through some of the financial review. Thanks, Dave, and good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to our four-year results. Now, let me take you through the, uh, the four-year results for the group as a whole, um, and then I'll move to the individual segments in more detail, pulling out some key themes and observations for the year. So overall, the group delivered a resilient performance in challenging market conditions, and it's pleasing that our results were in line with our expectations. We delivered revenues of £66.2 million, which was 6% up on last year, and demonstrates the continued progress the group is making. Since 2020, the group has delivered an average revenue growth of 7.5% per annum, 
and as it continues to advance the strategy and focus as a pure software business. Of the £66.2 million, £40.5 million was generated from recurring revenue, which is up 12% on the prior year, from £36.3 million, as we continue to win longer-term contracts with our customers. Recurring revenues now account for 61% of the group's overall revenue, compared to 58% in the prior year, and have been assisted by the group's acquisitions in FY21, along with good growth in local government and cloud. The group ended the year with a record order intake of £74 million, which is up 19% on 2021 at £62 million, and provides good visibility going into FY23. And pleasingly, given the wider macro environment, our adjusted EBITDA is up 15% at £22.5 million. This has been driven by a combination of our M&A strategy, strong customer relationships, price uh, and mix changes, and a disciplined approach to cost management despite the external inflationary pressures. The positive contribution on EBITDA has flown down to earnings per share, where we delivered an adjusted EPS for the period of 2.44 pence per share, up 7% on 2021. We continue to focus on cash generation and strong cash management. And as a result, we have reduced our net debt by 18% to 6.7 million pounds from 8.1 million pounds in the previous year. This compares to a net debt position of over 30 million pounds back in 2018 and demonstrates the significant progress the company has made over the past few years in managing its debt levels and cash generation over this period. Coupled with an RCF facility of 35 million pounds, this means that the group has a good balance sheet strength and resources to pursue its accretive M&A strategy. Given our continued progress, the group has increased its dividend by 25% to a proposed dividend of 0.5 pence per share. Going forward, the group will continue to monitor its dividend policy and its appropriateness in the context of the group's overall capital structure. Now, moving on to the breakout of the results in a bit more detail, starting with our public sector software business, PSS. So as a reminder, our public sector software business includes the majority of our product offerings and comprises our built environment products, which incorporate local authority planning, building control and public protection products, including our cloud solution. It also includes the results of our FY21 acquisitions aligned assets, exegesis and thinkware and products in relation to transport, elections, health and grants. We delivered revenues of 58.3 million pounds, which grew 8% on the prior year. The 2021 acquisitions delivered a full 12 months revenue to the results. When combined, these three acquisitions delivered 5.9 million pounds of revenue in the year. Excluding the impact of the acquisitions in both 2021 and 2022, like for like sales remained stable, where increases in local government, cloud, elections and databases were offset by reductions in our transport business. Of the 58.3 million pounds of PSS revenue, 34.6 million pounds was generated from recurring revenue, representing 60% of the total revenue and which was up 15% on 2021. Our order intake for the year was 65 million pounds, up 22% on the prior year. We continue to lead the way in the provision of digital SaaS platforms for our customers through our cloud solutions winning 15 new customers to the platform in the year. New customers included North Warwickshire Borough and Rother District Councils. Our cloud conversion strategy saw continued successes in the year with more customers committing to longer term agreements, including both Shropshire County Council and the London Borough of Brent. 
We also saw significant successes in our uniform customer base, particularly in the provision of cloud services, where successes included Aberdeenshire, North Lanarkshire, Sunderland City, and Newport City Councils. In aligned assets, we continue to win new business throughout 2022 with notable success, including the provision of an address management system to the Metropolitan Police. In social care, we saw new wins in Oldham, the Isle of Wight, and Cambridgeshire. In our sexual health solutions, there were new wins with a number of NHS trusts and virgin care services. In elections, we won new contracts both in our elections management software and our print and managed services, which included Oxford City Council, Somerset Council, and Scottish Borders Council. Our databases business continued to attract additional customers where we secured over 100 new customers to our Grant Finder and Research Connect SaaS solutions. Non-recurring revenues remain broadly flat at 23.7 million pounds, where increases in elections, exegesis, and thinkware were offset by reductions in transport and local government. We ended the period with an order book for the services element of our business at 9.1 million pounds, which was up from the 8.5 million pounds in 2021, reflecting an element of the wins I just talked about. Adjusted EBITDA was up 17% to 21 million pounds. Whilst we continue to invest in our cost base, for example, investments in a development team and investments in India, we remain disciplined and controlled in a way that we're approaching this. That coupled with increases in revenues and changes in mix has resulted in an improved adjusted EBIT margin percentage of 36%. Now moving on to EIM, as anticipated and despite the challenging market conditions, we saw an improved performance in EIM during the second half of the year. For the year as a whole, revenues remained stable at 7.9 million pounds. Similarly, both recurring and non-recurring revenue remained stable at 6 million pounds and 1.9 million pounds respectively. We secured 15 new customers across a number of different industries. This included new contracts with Loomis Technology, Transalta Energy Corporation, and Adani and Buja Cements. We also saw continued commitment and large projects from existing customers, including Canadian National Resource Limited, Oxy Inc, Public Service Enterprise Group. As a result, the services element of our order book was up 0.4 million pounds at 1.4 million pounds at the end of the year. And our overall order intake for the year was 9.3 million pounds. And finally on this slide, the adjusted EBITDA and margins remained stable at 1.5 million pounds and 19.4% respectively for the year. Leading on to the more detailed income statement, Having commented on the divisions already, the other areas I'd briefly touch on include the depreciation and amortization charge of 6.9 million pounds, which excludes the amortization of intangibles and was up 0.3 million pounds on 2021. The group reported an adjusted EBITDA of 15.6 million pounds, up 21% on 2021. There was a higher interest charge of at 2 million pounds, largely driven by the non-cash swing in foreign exchange gains on the euro-denominated bond in 2021, moving into a foreign exchange loss position as sterling weakened against the euro. Our adjusted effective tax rate is in line with prior periods and is at circa 19% in line with the statutory tax rate. As a result of these adjusted items, the adjusted profit after tax for the year was 11.1 million pounds, up 8% on 2021. Now in respect of the adjusting items, the key movements in the year related to restructuring costs in relation to corporate simplification activities and an increase in the share options charge. This has increased to 2.6 million pounds based on share-based payment accounting rules for new and past awards. Taking into account these items, the group reported a statutory profit after tax of 5.6 million pounds. 
We reported a loss of 0.6 million pounds on discontinued operations relating to the finalization of accounting in connection with the disposal of the content business in 2021, which are now complete. As a result, the group's total statutory profit after tax was 5.0 million pounds for the year. Whilst this was lower than the reported profit last year, last year in 2021 did include six million pounds of disposal gains in relation to the content business. So moving on to the group's cash flow for the period. So the group generated net cash from operating activities before tax of 18.3 million pounds. Against the group's adjusted EBITDA of 22.5 million pounds, this equated to a conversion rate of 81%. The reduction in the conversion rate is primarily driven due to the final settlement of VAT deferrals from 2020, exceptional cash costs in the year, and the phasing of certain creditors and debtors. The group became a net taxpayer in the period of 2.6 million pounds of outflows. The 2022 tax payments were higher due to the timing of 2021 payments and tax payments in connection with the 2021 acquisitions. Acquisition and disposal cash outflows of 2.1 million pounds related to deferred payments in connection with the 2021 acquisitions and one million pounds in connection with the acquisition of Landhawk in October 2022. In total, the group invested 7.6 million pounds in capital expenditure. Of this amount, 6.6 million pounds was invested on software development. Now we have a number of platforms, all of which are at different stages at the life cycles. These platforms all need continued investment to remain current and operational. For example, this may include regulatory updates, technical refreshes, systems consolidation, functionality and speed enhancements, and further investment in our cloud solutions. The group paid a 2021 dividend of 0.4 pence per share, which resulted in a total cash outflow of 1.8 million pounds. After interest lease payments and other items of 2 million pounds, the group improved its net debt position by 18% in a year to 6.7 million pounds. Moving on to the balance sheet. Overall, the balance sheet has remained stable year on year. The key movements I would pull out are that fixed assets have remained stable in a period where 9 million pounds of additions in acquisitions related intangibles, software development, and tangible assets have been offset by a similar level of amortization. Trade and other receivables have reduced slightly following the finalization of accounting in respect to the content business, and trade and payals have reduced predominantly due to the payment of deferred consideration of VAT balances. And the reduction in provisions is largely driven by the finalization of legacy property matters, which are now closed. Our net deferred income balance is stable at 14.5 million pounds and is reflective of the nature and timing of our billing profiles in the April-May period. And finally, at the bottom, I highlight the constituent parts of our net debt balance of 6.7 million pounds, which includes 30 million euro denominated Maltese bond, which matures in June 2025 at a coupon of 5.1%. And finally, moving on to our guidance for future years. This is consistent with guidance communicated previously reflecting the medium term outlook for the business. So from an organic point of view, we continue to believe that mid-single-digit growth is sustainable over the medium term in both PSS and EIM. From an EBITDA margin point of view, we very much expect to continue the journey to deliver 35% adjusted margin on a sustained basis through a mix of efficiencies and the acquisition of higher margin businesses. In terms of cash generation, I continue to expect the business to generate good levels of cash against EBITDA, and over the medium term, I'd expect cash conversion rates to be closer to 100% of EBITDA. In respect to our dividend policy, the board has proposed a dividend of 0.5 pence per share of 25% on 2021. We will continue to keep the level of future dividends under review in consideration of our financial position and delivery of our strategy. However, I would expect the dividend to progress as we continue to grow the business. 
And just finally, in terms of 2023, we've started 2023 with a strong recurring revenue, good levels of contract renewals, and a solid order book, along with a healthy pipeline. Uh, we've made an encouraging start to the year. Uh, and as a result, we're well placed in our aim to grow the business by double digits. Therefore, our expectations for FY23 remain unchanged, albeit we do remain cognizant of the current economic environment. At this point, I'll hand back to Dave, who will take you through the rest of the presentation. Great. <clears throat> Thanks, Anoop. So I thought we'd just spend a little bit of time looking at strategy and operations. All of the people on this call will be very familiar with our water and fly strategy and also with our four pillars. But I think what's clear is that, you know, the strength of the financial performance that Anoop has outlined you know, doesn't just happen. It requires us to have a, a clear strategy. It requires us to be very clear about what drives our economic engine in the business. It requires us to have a very clear focus on how we can drive forward our market positions and also to be very, very focused on areas where we can excel. And that continues to be the drive and the thrust here at IDOCS. You know, we became a pure software business with the disposal of our content operations. And we will continue to drive our software excellence and look for repeatability in our solutions in the markets that we choose to address. Uh, that creates healthy margins in the business and uh, a very strong future uh, client base that we can continue to service well with new products and services that we develop. So with that in mind and delivering success, our strategy remains intact. We've made good progress in the first elements of our fly phase. We would hope, as Anoop has pointed out, to continue our focus on growth and this year look to double-digit growth across our operations, which will, I think, give us added impetus in the business, improve at levels of cash flow in the business as well, and give us more ammunition to develop our accretive buy and build policy. And with that in mind, we have developed our organizational model accordingly. So on the next slide, we can see that whilst we remain very clearly cited on repeatable software solutions, we've also put together an organizational structure which is focused to growth. And we have promoted four individuals in the company into senior leadership positions, which are highlighted in these three divisions here. Our land, property, and public protection business includes all our regulatory services, built environment, public protection, and our geospatial businesses. We have our community solutions, which focus on sexual health management, funding and information services, and elections. And we've put our assets business together, which includes our EIM business, supplemental with our CAFM, IFIT, and transport business. Scott Goodwin, Chris Evans have taken on responsibility for our land and property and communities area. And Steve Bruce has stepped into the role of leading up our assets business. All of those people are internal promotions here at IDOTS and all have been through our Leading Together program, which we're very, very pleased about. And seeing graduates of that program step into leadership positions, I think gives us a lot of confidence about the future for the business as we grow both organically and inorganically. In addition to that, uh, Rick Hazard, who joined us as head of software development um, when we bought to SCOMI back in 2019, has been promoted to head of engineering across the entirety of our business, bringing cohesion in product design tools uh, and the way that we go about our future, future product developments and reusability. 
And we're very, very excited about Rick's appointment. I think that's, again, indicative of the talent we have in the business and the opportunities that it has for growth as we go forward. So with that in mind, I thought I'd just give you a quick update on our M&A capabilities and our progress there. As you know, we made three acquisitions in FY21. We've invested significantly in the integration of those businesses with the IDOCS core, and that's now complete. And we're very pleased with all of the businesses that we've acquired to date. We think they add greatly to our product capability and capacity with clients. We've invested significantly in our M&A program in early FY22 with the appointment of Rob Grubb as our director of M&A. And we've had a number of extensive discussions with potential targets during the course of FY22, which obviously came through to the acquisition of Landhawk late on in the year. But we have talked in process to about 40 businesses, advancing to valuation analysis for about half of those as we went through the year. And currently, our pipeline of opportunities for M&A is a strong one. And we are focused on moving forward with some of those targets as we go forward into FY23. So pipeline looks good. And our focus really at this moment in time is in continuing to develop out our land and property public protection area, and also looking at opportunities where we can bulk up our communities business where it's appropriate to do so. So we're very interested in technologies and products that might help bolster our healthcare operations, for example, which we think would just give us more market presence and an ability in future to improve margin delivery in that part of the business. So just moving on one slide, as you know, of the five acquisitions we've made in recent years, we now consider that we have some of the best geospatial capability and products in the UK, which we see as essential to the UK land and property infrastructure moving forward. The story so far is that our solutions are primarily in local government and in blue light services. Anoop mentioned earlier that during the year we were able to secure a significant contract with the Met Police for address management. On top of that, we also have embryonic commercial offerings that we're quite excited about. Geospatial data has good levels of support and funding from central government and from our clients elsewhere to drive forward improvements and are also primarily being seen to good effect in a burgeoning commercial prop tech sector. So as we go into the future, our idea and strategy is to leverage our geospatial credentials, build on our existing local authority and commercial work, and create software and data solutions which connect the ecosystem that we see. So as well as local authorities needing great geospatial data, we also see construction companies, property entities, land management businesses, increasingly requiring sophisticated applications that connect them with their supply chain and with their uh, production chain, but and also smart data solutions that we think we can monetize that would help them become more efficient and more effective. So as we go forward with our acquisition strategy, our activity in respect to geospatial remains high, and we look to build out on the acquisitions we've made to date. So what I'd like to do now is just move on to a few other areas of the business and the progress that we've made, particularly around ESG. IDOCS has committed to achieving a net zero target on emissions by 2040. We're currently working well in advance of that target. Underpinning all of our environmental protection and impact reductions initiative 
is our environmental management system, which is accredited as you would expect. And whilst our emissions have increased during 2022 compared with 21, as the impact of travel and other pandemic related restrictions have eased, we do remain significantly ahead of our plan to achieve net zero by 2040. That plan required us to reduce from our base target in 19 at 5% per year. And as you can see, we remain well ahead of that. And we have a number of programs and initiatives underway to further reduce our carbon footprint on the back of um, our success to date uh, as we go forward into 23 and beyond. In 23, we introduced an electronic vehicle scheme for all UK employees. And as we go into 23, we'll further look to reduce our baseline of office footprint as we consolidate our office locations that we've made through acquisitions during that time. But of course, our people always inspire our journey here at IDOX. We're very centered on ensuring that our employees who are delivering all the outcomes for shareholders buy into IDOX as an employer of choice. We want our people here at IDOX to be their very best self at work. And during the course of the year, we launched our Dare to be Different survey just to understand more about our work colleagues and understand what initiatives they would like to see that will help drive their ability to deliver their very best work here at IDOX. So that survey was really helpful. We found we have 15 different ethnicities within IDOX in our workforce. 13% of our colleagues were from the LGBTQIA plus community. 13% of our colleagues being neurodivergent and 16 different religious beliefs here at IDOX. And all of those things, I think, add to the quality of our workforce and also bring forward some of the things that will help them feel comfortable and able to do their best work in the business. We also focus really heavily on our community engagement and our employee engagement activities. And during the course of the year, we've tried to encourage all of our teams not just to come together to work more coherently outside of our day-to-day -day operating activities, but also be part of the communities that they serve. Uh, and as you can see, there's a nice picture on this lovely slide that talks about our individuals from the business taking part in helping out at, at Murdoch Park in Glasgow, our finance team getting together to do stuff outside of their normal work activity. And we find all of those things really help improve their connectivity with the business, but also our connectivity with each other. So we're very grateful for all the work that goes in from that part of our business. So if we look to Outlook, as Anoop said, FY23 has started well and is in line with our expectations. We believe we're really well placed to deliver a strong year of performance. Our high levels of recurring income, contract renewals we've seen, the improvements in order book and pipeline give us great visibility and leave us well placed to grow the business by double digits in FY23. We continue to invest in our products and our services. We feel that's very important for long-term benefit of the company. And that includes obviously our, our work around geospatial. Uh, and our operational changes, we believe, have been really important and have come at the right time to make sure that we can underpin our financial performance with a clear focus on what our clients require in each part of our business areas. And as Anoop's pointed out, our strong balance sheet and facilities allow us to continue a selective and a very accretive approach to acquisitions. And we're excited about the opportunities that they bring in FY23. So as we look forward, we're really looking for a strong double-digit growth in our revenues this year, 
and um, an improvement to that growth added um, to by acquisitions that we would make during the course of FY23. So with that in mind, if I can hand back uh, to Tamsin, and we'd be really happy to take any questions that you might have. Thank you very much. And we've got a question from Julian Yates at Investec. I had a couple of questions if that's okay. The first one is the, um, the transition to cloud um, across the business and your comments on contrasting with your comments on um, the um, level of R&D going to the business, managing a number of product portfolios all at different stages of their maturity and that requiring continual investment. How should we think about that transition of those products at a very top level and the migration to the cloud platform in the context of efficiencies, margins, scalability, um, in terms of where, where we are on that sort of journey from a, for, I guess, top level point of view. Um, and the, the second question is really aimed at the new divisional structure. Very interested in the background and the thought process behind moving to these sort of three divisions. Um, and if we should expect, or if the business is looking at driving each one in a particular dynamic of growth or margin of the different profiles there, are there different objectives for those three divisions? How should we think about that in terms of it, those sort of distilling out to the overall um, strategic and financial objectives of the business? Well, look, I'll, I'll definitely take the first one and then Anoop and I will probably split the second one. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of uh, our journey to cloud, uh, the, you know, obviously the vast focus for us has been around our local government business and the work that we do in land, uh, property and public protection. Um, there, the IDOX cloud offering has been extremely uh, popular during the course of the last 12 months. And we see ourselves with a very healthy pipeline of new opportunities going forward. Um, so of the of the 15 new wins we made um, in that area, we probably had about a quarter of those, a quarter to a third, which have been from existing clients who are making the move from traditional IDOTS products into cloud-based delivery. Uh, and then the remainder of those have been competitive new wins where we're seeing other people's clients who want to make that journey into cloud choosing IDOTS as the way to do that. Um, uh, given its its pedigree and um, its clear market leadership position. So we're thrilled about that. Um, obviously, we're going to continue to invest in, in those cloud products. Um, it's very important that they continue to move forward, not just from a legislative point of view, but also move forward in helping people undertake their day-to-day uh, -day functions in the smoothest and the, and, the, and the easiest way that we can, all from the joy of that hosted environment. Um, and as well as hosting, we're seeing an improvement um, where clients want to remain with the, the, you know, the very functional solutions that they have. Um, they're also under pressure uh, in our local government base to provide the right skills at the right time to manage those solutions on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and that, as you know, in a, an environment where skills are very hard to come by has proved increasingly challenging for them. So. Um, you know, as part of that journey to cloud, a lot of clients are also asking us to host solutions that they, they currently have as on-premise uh, solutions as well. So uh, that's that's the journey there. In in most of our other areas, we've all already committed to moving to the cloud. So in Capham, for example, our web and browser-based systems are available this year. That will help um, continued sales of that product into that particular area of the business. Our Fusion Live product is is 
honed in the cloud and built in the cloud, cloud native products, and is seeing strong progress. And we'll continue to develop our, our application sets according to you know, the, their, their ability to work in the market. Uh, I don't see our election system moving into um, a cloud-based activity. Um, I think it's set up such that you know, uh, most, of a, most of the election activity that happens in the UK will continue to be a sort of um, as, it, as it exists today, but we'll put some new functionality around the software to help um, digitize the way that work is conducted, particularly around um, you know, uh, the census and various other elements that go on around elections uh, moving forward. But our main focus as we, as we go on is, is the continued development of our cloud products rather than having to start from scratch with cloud offerings. And it's really about the um, ability for clients to move into that new environment as opposed to our ability to deliver that capability. So we're just working with clients, making sure that we're tuned into their journeys, making sure that when they are ready to move to the cloud, um, that we're absolutely or, you know, have done all the pre-work and are ready for them to make that journey with us. In terms of the new structure, the, the background to that is very much around growth. It's, it's that simple. Um, our first few years of, of operating the business has been to make sure that it runs correctly, that it runs efficiently and effectively, and that we carry the disciplines that create a good business. But we now uh, have done all of those things. And our focus is on growth. Our focus is to make sure that we uh, provide the right energy and gestalt to, to move these things forward. And so uh, it's about providing that additional level of commitment to help the business grow and, and support those leaders in um, bringing their expertise to bear to help us on that journey. And so as we go through 23, you know, we're expecting... We think all of our businesses have the ability to grow and we're really looking forward to supporting those teams in, in making that work going forward. Will you, will you report the, um, those divisions on a, on, a, on a separate basis going forward or should we sort of expect the current one to continue? How, how, how will that be managed going forward? Yes, so, so Julie, my, my intention is at the half year to report under the new basis. So um, in a run-up to that, then there'll be old basis and new basis. So... Um, we can help you sort of just align uh, how the, the divisional shifts have happened. And we'll go to Harvey Robinson from Panama Gordon. I've got a question around margins. Um, clearly, you've had a great performance on gross margin in the year, five percentage points, four million pounds, bigger, great gross profit. Where do you think that gross margin might go to? Because um, it seems to me, obviously, driven by the software performance. Uh, you've got great detail on the breakdown at EBITDA level. And what do you think gross margins end up? And the sort of follow-up to that, doesn't it, does that then mean that your EBITDA margin guidance mid-term is fairly conservative? Um, I mean, when we look at it, I mean, we, we look at the sort of the cost of sales, um, the gross sort of profit uh, and the operating profit look in, at, the, at the sort of EBITDA level. Um, Harvey and I think you know we've guided over the medium term to 35%. Yes, we've ended up at 34% this year. Um, I am cognizant of the fact that we are navigating our way through a, um, a sort of inflationary environment at the moment. Um, you know, and therefore I, I'd hope that you know we, we'd come and beat 35% over the medium term. Uh, but I think as we navigate our way through the next couple of years, I think it's just um, I think it's sensible to 
um, you know, we're in touching distance of that level and we think that's achievable uh, and sustainable. Um, and so that, that's the kind of level we're holding it at the moment. Okay, thank you. That's clear. Thanks. Um, just a quick follow-up on acquisitions. You're talking about quite a lot of potential deals. Could you just give us a feel for what you think your firepower might be? Obviously, there's many levers you can pull, but is there anything particularly sizable in there or is it just a whole potential range of opportunities? I, just, I know you've got to be careful what you can say, but it's going to get a feel for, is it a series of bolt-ons or is it? Yeah, I think, no, that's, it, that, that's fine, Harvey. I mean, I think we've, uh, in my conversations that, that I've had with holders and, and others, we're sort of guided to this year being one where we, we see ourselves doing more bolt-on acquisitions, uh, bringing those things together. Um, but it's fair to say that in our pipeline, we have, you know, those things on a graduated basis, really. You know, there are some larger deals in there that uh, would prove very interesting if, if they, they were became possible. Um, but, you know, I think this is a year where we're really guiding to people for us doing more bolt-on work. Um, I think over the last few years, we've shown we, we can do that really, really effectively. Uh, we integrate business as well, and we have a good model for doing that. Um, so I think that I think that will be our focus. But you know, there are other things out there that always you know uh, have our attention, and as I say, should they become available, then they certainly have our attention. My um, take on it in, in terms of facilities, as as I said, we've got a 35 million RCF, we've got a 10 million accordion. We will come to renegotiate our banking facilities during the course of the first half of this year. Um, we have spoken to our banks and they're very supportive of our ambition and based on the performance of the business to date. So we feel very confident we can have facilities available to us to do more work. But for, for holders, we'd want to make sure that we were you know, within reasonable bounds of debt. So probably to, you know, Two, two times if we can bring that and show that we'll bring that back down to one, one and a half times uh, in decent order as, as we bring acquisitions on and create the synergies that we think uh, they could bring. So, you know, uh, minded, minded to that as, as we run forward. And, uh, but, you know, some really strong opportunities out there. Uh, would You can never quite predict how they're going to land. So, we just have to take that as it comes, but um, good pipeline of opportunities, good facilities, and I think enough firepower uh, for us at the moment to do the things that we'd like to do. And we'll go to Kai Korshil from Canaccord Genuity. I just wanted to drill down uh, into the expected growth acceleration to double digits because that would obviously be a quite an impressive achievement if you pulled it off uh, in the current environment. And, and I'm particularly interested in in sort of the thematic product or growth areas, um, you know, where you will see this uh, growth acceleration. Is it, I'm really, really keen on sort of maybe two or three, is it sort of mainly Adox cloud? Is it the geospatial stuff? If you could just give a bit more color on that, that would be um, great. And then the second one was um, follow up on the M&A environment. I think your main competitor on sort of an acquisitions has been Civica, they're obviously highly levered, uh, private equity owned. So I'm just wondering if, if you know, if you are seeing perhaps less competition on the M and A front, and likewise, um, perhaps a gradual easing of valuations, or are we not quite quite there yet? Thank you. I mean, I think the growth is threefold, really. I mean, I think that there is an element of inflation built in. Clearly, um, you know, we have a contract structure where. Um, 
a number of our contracts. Uh, we, we typically have two sort of contract types or contract forms. One of those contract forms tends to be more fixed in nature and therefore the opportunity to actually apply things like CPI and RPI are, are limited. Um, there is a second contract form. So when contracts come up for re-signs and renewals, um, there is an ability uh, to uh, apply a level of um, inflationary uplift. So an element of the growth is coming from that. I would say probably about a one third of it. Um, we have then the full year impact of the recurring revenue resize that we've had in 2021. And I would say that's about one third of the impact. And clearly we're coming into a busy period now with a level of resize coming into the March and April period. So there's an element of win and do in there, which we've got good visibility of. Uh, and we're confident that we can get those over the line over the course of this year. So, so you know, when you look at it, you look at the double digits and you go, okay, fine. You know, it seems quite a jump, I suppose, from where the business has been over the last couple of years. But actually, we can see a, a route map uh, or a roadmap to actually get there this year. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. It's about a third of the third, third sort of, you know, pricing, um, renewal and add-on, and then new business activity that goes through and, um, yeah, I mean, we feel good about that and uh, feel that the, the hard work we've put into the business in growing our ARRs is a real strong foundation part for that growth going forward. So I think that's really encouraging. I think um, on the second part around M&A, we haven't yet seen uh, <laughs> people throw themselves on the mousetraps and think it'd be a great idea to accept uh, lower valuations for their businesses. But I think there is a new realism that's coming out for everyone right now about valuations. And remembering that when we're doing the Bolton acquisitions and we're classically in that sort of three three to five million of revenue for these businesses, then I, I think, you know, with COVID, uh, with the geopolitical stuff we've seen, with a higher inflationary environment and people faced with that, you know, next investment decision, do they invest in their products, their people, um, their market capabilities. I, I think increasingly we're seeing people that are willing to listen to um, sensible offers for their business uh, and and with a, an organization that would give their business um, a really good home, a uh, good home for their people, but also some great market, you know, go-to-market capabilities. So I don't think we're yet seeing the prices come off. Um, we're classically in that six to 10 environment, that's where we feel uh, valuations are, are right for that kind of business that can give us that sort of growth. And as we've seen with, with the IDOX cloud business, where we can provide uh, the firepower in terms of sales and marketing, product development and professional services support, we can accelerate the growth of those businesses by giving them access to uh, or providing greater access to a, a larger customer cohort than they've previously been able to reach. So, you know, we, I think we'll see that as we go through the year. I, I think inevitably prices will become a little bit more realistic uh, and that should help us get one or two of these things over the line during the course of 23. Um, we'll go to James Lockyer at Peel Hunt. Just, I'll just, just one follow on from, from, uh, from an earlier question on the margin. Um, so obviously the big step up this year in PSS to 36%. Be good to understand, you know, where that's come from. Is it is it is it from the acquisitions? Is it from cost savings, operational gearing, to, as sort of part one? But secondly, your guidance around the 35% for the medium term um, appears that it's EIM that's holding you back potentially to getting there at this, at this point. I saw a little tick up in the margin despite revenues declining there. So that's obviously positive as well. But I guess it'd be good to understand 
to get to that 35, are we basically saying that PSS needs to become a bigger part portion of the business? Are we seeing PSS maybe getting higher than the 36% margin? Or under the new structure that you're putting in place, the new business units, do you see possibility of EIM uh, you know, accelerating its, well, sorry, growing its margin to, to help you get above that 35%? Thanks. Yeah, I think when we first arrived, uh, margins were, as you know, sort of 17, 19%. Um, I think we, at that stage, Rob and I optimistically thought that if we could become a 30% margin business, that'd be great. That'd be in line with with industry norms and, and away we go. Um, I think as we developed the strategy and, and felt that we could become more of a software play rather than being a software and service play business, it became clearer to us that we should target ourselves at a, at a greater margin percentage to reflect um, that position. Um, I think as we run forward, I'm, I'm really clear that uh, significant market positions help you to improve margins and, and market share is the main driver of margins there on in because obviously, you know, the more you can do things once and repeat them many helps you to improve margins without incurring the additional cost uh, as you move forward. And, and our clients um, uh, uh, so as we attract new clients into the business, we're not really adding new amounts of, of, of cash to having to do uh, client acquisition. So all of those things, you know, coming together, help us with margins. Some of it then is about operational improvements. Uh, and continuing to simplify the way that we do things. And I think Rick Hazard's appointments across our development activity will also help us to accelerate standardization in some areas and give us the flexibility we need in others. Uh, but our aim has always been to, to be a rule of 40 business. You know, I mean, we want to grow, we want to be able to grow the business in that kind of way. So um, it's certainly possible that as we go forward, we can improve on projected margins of 35. Uh, and as you rightly point out, James, acceleration of our growth in our public sector business would do that. Um, but we also feel that, you know, with the EIM business as we roll forward, there are better margins to be had across that portfolio of businesses, um, such that it isn't dragging back the margins in other areas of the business um, as we go forward. So internally, we'll have our own conversations and thoughts about what our margins ought to be, uh, coupled with our growth. Um, but, you know, I think if this year we could see our, our margins getting to around 35%, get to a 10% margin, sorry, a 10% growth organically within the business, plus some accretive M&A, then I think it, it offers, obviously, something well ahead of that rule of 40 business that we targeted when, when we first arrived. So I think, I think it looks good for on all fronts across uh, those parts of the business. We just have to remain focused, disciplined and, and get on with it. And we have a few questions from Andy Dorley from FinCap. He asks, how much of the local authority opportunity you refer to as Greenfield, where you can automate the formerly manual processes and how much is displacing competitors? And a second question, what's the revenue uplift from cloud migration for formerly on-prem solutions? And uh, he has a further question about the EBITDA margin. Um, having mentioned the rule of 40, um, he's asking, 
Uh, are you targeting a 35% EBITDA margin? Should we only expect single-digit growth in the near term, or are you stepping up to the rule of 50? If we talk about the markets first and, um, and what we see as uh, being greenfield or otherwise, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that every local authority in the country uh, has something in place that does what we do. So, you know, the work that we do around land property and public protection, uh, every local authority in the country will have a solution that deals with that in some shape, form or other. Um, however, we firmly can see at IDOCS that our solutions provide our customers with the ability to do the, what they do more effectively and efficiently than other vendors in the market. Uh, and so we've seen our market share grow over the last three years as new clients have come on board and taken solutions from us that help them to do what they do better. So, you know, we have um, between a 35% market share in our public protection area to around a 65, 70% market share in our, our property space. And we see the ability still to do on-sell uh, of new, sorry, to do new um, new name business in, in the remaining market percentages in each of those spaces. But importantly, we're also developing products and services that help customers become more effective in a number of areas that have not traditionally been associated with our core products. So things like engaging with the citizen, engaging the public in planning and public protection activity, providing those front of house services via products that help the council not have to interact with people, uh, saving them money, allowing them to drive more capacity and capability in their, in their own workforce. Those types of solutions for us um, are, uh, you know, there, there's some really strong opportunities for us to engage in those areas and to develop new market positions, which are additive to the things that we do today, and also which support the longevity of the solutions that we currently have in the market. So we think there's plenty of opportunity for us to go in and, and do that. Um, uh, and then in terms of, um, uh, you know, new new greenfield sites, we're seeing uh, this is where our, our, our geospatial activity comes in. As I mentioned earlier, you know, our, our local authorities are only one part of a very expansive ecosystem that uses planning data across a, a wide spectrum. So... As you know, you know, engaging with land and property management businesses, construction companies, um, con conveyances for property searches. There are a whole series of things that happen outside of the local authority that need connecting to the local authority in some way to make um, that whole supply chain work in a much smarter and better way. So we're definitely focused on, on those elements. And we, we see all of that for us at the moment as being a great white space opportunity running forward. So hence our interest in, in building out those businesses within our portfolio. Um, in terms of margin, uh, you know, this whole thing of, you know, can we become a rule of 50 business? Well, you know, it is, you know, I think we want to see progress uh, before we were committing to such things. But I think it's clear that, you know, if we can continue to see growth in the business and we can continue to see margin improvements, then you know it's it's not beyond the wit of man for for that to be the case. But right now, uh, we want to get on show that we we can deliver the double digit growth, con continue to deliver solid margins around thirty five, um, and then look to expand and build out our market positions and new the new opportunities we have 
uh, we think those things will be the enhancers to margins running running forward. Anything you want to add? Um, yeah, just on the revenue uplift um, from on-prem to cloud. I mean, clearly there is a opportunity to uh, apply a premium um, as we support our customers through it. Um, so I think I'd probably uh, go as far as say, yeah, there is an opportunity to increase the levels of revenue there, but uh, without giving individual cloud cloud details. And a final question from Ian Robertson from Progressive. Two oh, yeah. questions, if I may. The first one is on the R&D, obviously significant uplift. Uh, could you give a bit more detail on the sort of things that's been spent on and how you might be able to leverage that across the wider group in the coming years and how much you're going to be spending in the coming years? And then when we talk about this wider ecosystem, uh, you've got all the technology in place, as I could see it. Uh, are you really going to just be out there looking for acquisitions to get market access or are you going to be able to build yourself products and routes to market organically uh, and also in that area what's on the other side is there anything that might be looking outside coming looking at you and thinking oh actually we'll go after the idol space do you want to do the first part of the example? yeah i mean ian we, you know we spent six and a half million in fy21 um and actually a large chunk of that was the increase year on year really came, a lot of it came through from the the acquisitions uh, and the capitalization of, of the software development on, on those businesses um, I think when I think about the breakdown of the six and a half I mean you know we're continuing to invest in the cloud solution that we've already talked about we're continuing to invest in the LG offerings um, clearly you know we have to move our product offerings in line with regulatory changes uh, particularly around say the elections database we have to invest in that have the, have the software ready uh, for, for those areas. Um, so, so I find that actually when I look at the breakdowns of it, we, we, you know, we are investing continually in each of the different product areas. Um, so I think I will continue to do that going forward because, you know, we're constantly having to respond to changes. Um, where do I see that going next year? I think, uh, you know, I think it will tick up slightly from the six and a half. Um, so probably closer to about seven. Um, but, you know, having said that, you know, when we look at the future income streams related to those items, we're comfortable that they will generate future revenue streams. Yeah, thanks, Ian. I mean, really good questions. In, in terms of, you know, how do we see these this new area around, around geospatial working for us and the, and the ecosystem that, that we're referring to? I mean, we know that for, for our business to be an attractive investment proposition rolling forward, we need to um, address some larger target, you know, some larger TAMs, basically. You know, we, we need some total addressable market that, that, that is increasing and improving. But by focusing on the things that we do incredibly well, um, we found more opportunity to sell to a wider cohort that is currently, un, uh, un, un, you know, is under... Uh, presented with good software solutions that automate the way that the processes currently work. Uh, government for some time has been trying to surface data that helps to serve the market better. And yet at the same time, the market is filled with more screen scrapers now trying to collect information than there ever has been. So the opportunity that presents itself from IDOCS is to bring together some of those business processes and automate them so that it works for the local authority and the people that need to access and, and, and gain uh, access to planning data. But then secondly, to help local authorities surface data in a better way, in a more cohesive way, so that it, it can be used more effectively in this wider wider cohort. 
And we think by doing that, it's sort of almost, well, it more than doubles our, our target addressable market, which is very exciting, I think, for us as a business. And I think it should be exciting for shareholders. So as we, as we move forward on that, you know, we see, um, you know, you asked whether we, we can see ourselves doing that organically or through acquisition. And the answer is a little bit of both. We've been keen to build a capability, which means over time we can build uh, that share organically. And as I say, we have some fledgling things that, that we're working through at the moment that are quite exciting. And inevitably, as you, you get a little bit further into that, you can see other businesses that would act as significant um, capability bolt-ons to enable to deliver us, enable us to deliver those solutions in a smoother and better way for clients. So, so that that's the thought for us. I think you know it, it's one of those abilities for us not just to add businesses that serve our existing cohort, but more importantly, provide us with capability capacity to serve this larger ecosystem uh, that we can see and, and help us to sustain bigger growth numbers as we go forward. Uh, with our work over the next three, four, five years. Okay. So um, in doing any of that, there's nothing you haven't done before on a repeat, repeated basis with IDOC? Um, there, there are all, well, there, there's, there's certainly it's an area that we, we're, you know, we're always familiar with. We, we understand the data, we understand the data flows, and we understand the environment. Inevitably, it always involves you doing something that you haven't quite done before. But the important thing there, it's related to the markets, our capabilities and understanding. Uh, we're not getting into brand new areas. It's about how we put the solutions together rather than if. Um, and, and the last part of your question was, that, you know, are there other people out there sort of saying, well, you know, let's have, uh, that's always been the case. Uh, people are always, um, comp everything we do day in, day out is competed, sometimes with large competitors such as, you know, Civica that, that was mentioned earlier or, or maybe, um, you know, an NEC software at other times, it might be a smaller niche provider um, that you're competing with, but there's always competition. Um, I think uniquely what IDOX brings together is a level of substance and size and a capability to address these requirements today. Um, and if you're a large uh, London borough, a large metropolitan authority, then I think you want to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that all of these important functions in your business work and do so to best effect and reliably and that you're supported by a business with some substance. Um, so I think we fill that niche really well, and I think that comes through in our new business wins and, and the confidence that clients uh, show to us in, in, in regard to new business. So uh, always competition. We're never, uh, you know, uh, we always carry the paranoia with us <laughs> here at iDogs. We're always uh, concerned about those things, but, you know, we, we do so from a very positive point of view about you know developing our own offerings to the extent that you know it makes it easy for clients to make a decision to to do business with us and that's the end of questions david do you have any closing remarks look i mean i think idox is um produced a great set of results in what have been very challenging and difficult markets um we've been extremely reliable and clear about what our ambition for the business is and we've delivered on that each and every time and we have a tremendous amount of confidence in the business going forward, the market opportunities that we can see, and our own ability to execute against those opportunities. So um, looking forward to um, FY23, uh, and we appreciate you know, your continued interest in the business and your support. So look forward to seeing you 
um, all individually beforehand, but seeing you again at the back end of uh, uh, beginning of May or something when we do the half year um, announcements and we can update you then on the progress in the business a bit more formally. But, but thank you for spending your time with us today. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.